Well, good morning. Yeah, that was good. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad to, that you're here with us today. Uh, this is part five in our series called Adulting. Your favorite topic. You know, just being an adult, stepping into God's plan for your life and living fully in His purpose. If you've missed the past few weeks, week one was about character. Everybody say character. Uh, week two, everybody say priorities. Week three was, everybody say purpose. Last week, everybody say work and rest. How'd you do? How many of you still working on that one? Uh, the rest part, yeah. How many of you got it down, work and rest? Okay, how many of you are not raising your hand for anything today? Raise your hand. Okay, there you go. Well, at least you're honest. So uh, we talked about that last week. If you missed any of those, you can go online. Uh, we'd love for you right now, if you've got your phone, just pull it out, share uh, the live feed, like, throw some hearts up there, something like that. Uh, but if you missed that, you can go to our YouTube page and watch uh, throughout the week and get caught up. You can go to iTunes and listen to the podcast. Uh, we try to make everything available for you, not only to, to catch up, to go back through yourself, but to share with your friends in the community. 69,000 people, we have that opportunity through technology to reach them. Uh, I, we normally don't call anybody out in the audience, but uh, Craig Church from Faith Fest is here, so let's just welcome Craig today. Thanks, Craig, for hanging out with us. Uh, so we are partnering with Faith Fest. We, if you don't know, the, the last week there in uh, August is what we call Love Week. And we're starting on that Sunday night and we're going all throughout the week. Uh, this year, Faith Fest is doing an event uh, on Thursday night in Wilkesboro, which we will be a part of and uh, be a part of just what's going on there. It is a huge deal to have an opportunity to be such, uh, such a part of something bigger than us and the vision behind what God is doing with Faith Fest is unbelievable so uh, we're going to get back behind it like we did last year and drive that hopefully you'll be a part um, today we're talking probably about the most controversial topic in churches so if you're a guest with us and you thought churches talk about money all the time well I can't say they don't because we're going to talk about money today everybody say generosity I'm not here to get your money or take your money, but feel free to give me your money. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, I know what I can do with it, pay bills. Uh, but when we talk about money in church, it gets a little bit awkward. So I'd like to get out front that we're going to talk about that, but we're going to talk more about being a generous person than we are about your money and giving it to the church or whatever you think, all the bad, bad uh, things that are said about that or thought about that. I love Celebration Church. Uh, I believe that everybody who calls this home should give generously to this uh, local body and be generous beyond that as opportunities that the Lord brings to you. The reason being is when it comes to adulting, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, adulting should be something that you're doing. It should be just a, part, uh, a natural strive throughout the day to figure out what God is calling you to do and who he's calling you to be. But it seems like adulting is actually almost a comedy. The idea of adulting, the idea that you get up every morning and do a job. Sitcoms are now based upon that. Now we have all the things on the internet, all the memes uh, 
that we see about adulting. And it, here's the thing. The reason we try to make fun of it is we, we make fun of things that are hard. Adulting is hard. But it seems like we almost praise and lift up uh, when it comes to generosity, childish things. Like if so, I've heard people say this. Brian, I did nothing all day and got paid for it. And we're like, wow, I wish I had that job. You know, I don't even have to study anymore and I make straight A's. Didn't you hate that person in school? See, we get to this place where all of a sudden this idea of adulting, where we get our hands dirty, where we put the work in, where we say, God, use me, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. When it comes to our character, having godly character and, and, and things like that, it seems like if, it, if it's hard, we avoid it. When that's the very place that we should be is in the hard things because the hard things take God. And if you have areas of your life that don't require God, then why... Why are you here? This is why things like Faith Fest and Love Week, they're bigger than us. And that's what we want celebration to be, is doing things bigger than us that require God. But when it comes to finances, when it comes to generosity, uh, don't you remember the days of being a child and you didn't have bills? Just those kind of things. Maybe you feel like this. What's your favorite childhood memory? Not paying bills. Don't you remember that? Where all of a sudden you had shoes and clothes on and you didn't pay for any of it? Some of you are going, no, since the time I was five, I was working on the farm. You know, okay, yes, you're awesome. We know you're here. But some of us, we, we remember those days. And then we got that first bill. Maybe it was a college loan. Or maybe it was the, your first car. Or maybe you were in the 90s when it was totally cool to get a credit card at 16. And you're like, dude, they gave me $5,000. Are they dumb? No, you are. And then all of a sudden you're 17 working off your $5,000 credit card. Then Dave Ramsey comes on the scene and everybody gets out the scissors and they chop it all up. But then the bill kept coming. You're like, Dave, you failed me. I cut it up and it's still having to pay for it. So, so maybe, maybe because of that, you, you feel something like this. I pay my bills today. I'm adulting. $1.45 left over. How many of you, your paycheck, you don't have to raise your hand. It lasts about three days. Don't, don't raise your hand. You're like... And, that, and it took you a day to put it in the bank. <laughs> it's, what? And then you go right back to work to try to catch up and do those kind of things. When it comes to money, all of us have aspirations and dreams. Uh, I was listening to Dave Ramsey. He said that a study was uh, put out that people say, if I made $5,000 more, no matter where anybody was on the spectrum of wealth, or income, if I just made $5,000 more, then I would be a whole lot better off. What do you think happens to the person that gets a $5,000 a year increase? They're looking for $5,000 more. The life of God, adulting, when it comes to that, when it comes to generosity, when it comes to the way we handle our finances, here's a few things you need to realize. God owns all of your money. 
There's not a penny that you have in the bank or in your pocket, and it may be just pennies. That's not God's anyways. Atheist, agnostic, or Christian, God owns it all. The second God doesn't want there to be air anymore, guess what? There's no air. Aren't you glad you're not struggling breathing right now, are you? You're taking it in. The second that God wants to change anything in that nature, in that course, He can. When it comes to finances, God gives us an opportunity to deal with them how we choose. He gives us freedom. But He gives us directions, especially as Christians. If you're a follower of Christ, God is very clear on how you should handle your finances. But I just want to remind us of the theme verse over this whole series that we've been talking about. Um, is 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It reads this way, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Or a woman. When I became an adult, I put childish ways behind me. If you got a Bible, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 12. We're going to get there here in just a second. And I, I want us to actually in a second stand and, and read it together. But Luke chapter 12, we're, we're going to get there. But the Bible, when it speaks to finances, is full of all kinds of wisdom. you got the, in Proverbs 22, 7, it says, A borrower is servant to the lender. How many of us understand that? If you borrow money from someone, all of a sudden you become the slave to that person. Why? Because you have a responsibility to pay it back. That's what borrowing means. Otherwise, it's stealing. You know, in 2 Thessalonians it says, if a man does not work, he should not eat. So there's a principle that we should be good stewards but hard workers. You should make money, but you should use all of that for God's glory. Jesus actually tells of a, of a, a parable in a Luke chapter 12. I want to read it together. So if you would, let's just stand to our feet. It's a little bit different than what we normally do, but every once in a while I like us just to stand up in honor of the Word of God. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. This is the parable of the rich fool. It says, Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. That just sounds like brothers, doesn't it? Tell him to give it to me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as judge and arbiter between you? Then he said this to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in abundance of his possessions. In fact, can I say that your life, the sum total of your possessions, you, you will not take it with you. Verse 16, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no plans to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. So this rich man, this guy who's had a great crop, he's got great financial wealth coming in. He says this, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Drink and be merry. That sounds like the opposite of adulting, doesn't it? But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with, everybody say anyone. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for him. What? 
self, but is not rich towards God. You may be seated. So Jesus tells this parable, this story with a, with a meaning, and he tells us something that all of us understand. We got a, uh, me and my wife have been, I guess binge watching is the proper term, if I'll just be transparent and honest, storage wars. Yes, we're out of TV to watch, okay? So we've resor resorted to that. When I moved up here 10 or 11 years ago, I lived in a couple people's houses uh, as a single person. I lived in the Roberts home. But one of the things I had to do, because when I moved up here, I moved out of a fully furnished home. I had to rent a storage unit. So for a couple years, several years while I was up here, I was paying a monthly fee for somebody to keep my junk. And I started thinking, man, I'm just throwing money out the door. Then I, then I watched Storage Wars and I'm thinking, I need to get into this business. Because they go through people's junk and go through and make all kinds of money. But this is how we are in our society. We have to start building buildings to put our stuff in that we don't use anymore. Because it has some type of value. We put so much value on our stuff that we build it a home. Your stuff has a home. Now, if you have a storage building, I understand. I did it for like three or four years. When I got rid of the storage building, I was like, that makes more sense. To not pay somebody to hold on to my stuff, a house for my stuff. Well, Jesus is telling this parable of this guy who did exactly that. He started getting so much stuff, he had to build bigger buildings, bigger barns to hold his stuff. When our son Cade came, we found out how much stuff we had in my house. Because you've, you've probably got the junk drawer, right? Everybody got one of those? We're just like, it's like, I don't know what to do with this, put it in the drawer. Some of us, you have like a, a junk closet. Well, we had a junk room. And it was through two people coming together that were married and just stuff adding up. Then a teenager deciding he didn't want this anymore, so it goes in the junk room. It was mainly full of baseball gear because our son was a catcher, and he would break his gear every year, and we'd have to take a loan out to get more catcher gear and just catcher bags, like five of them stacked up. Well, we had to clean out that room. And I was thinking, after I got it all cleaned out, I'm like, man, this, this is a nice size room. And a baby is so small, it's not going to take up much room. Do you know how much stuff a baby needs? Oh, my goodness, the room is slammed again with, like, cribs and all kinds of gadgets. I mean, I thought you just threw the kid on the floor and let him be until... But now he's got swings and bouncers and cribs and bassinets and then... Play pins and I'm like, he, he just does this. <laughs> Apparently, eventually, he's going to come to use most of that stuff. But right now, I'm going, this could be my office. All kinds of selfish things, I think. But adulting is about becoming who God called me to be. When it comes to our finances, it's not about gaining more stuff. It's about figuring out what we have and how to use it for God's glory. So you don't need more stuff. You need more of God's glory in your life. You need to figure out how to leverage every penny, everything, all those kind of things in your life 
So if we look back in that Luke chapter 12 passage, and let's just break it down and go back through it. Verse 13. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as judge and arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So we can learn something from Jesus. We can learn this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Spending reveals my heart. We're going to talk about the heart and three things that as far as generosity and wealth goes. But your spending reveals your heart. Just go home and open up the junk drawer or the junk room or look in the driveway or in the yard and you'll see a process of life and things that you've spent. And it'll reveal some things about you, not necessarily good or bad, but I think that's something very important. That's an adulting thing to do is to assess everything. If you don't look in the bank and see what's there, you can't pay bills. You've got to know what's there. But I think we need to assess everything. What do you spend your money on? Where's, the, where's it all going? Because spending reveals your heart. Luke, earlier in that, uh, later in that chapter, he writes this. This is what Jesus said. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I challenge you, literally go home. Maybe make a list. Maybe look at all your assets and look at all that kind of stuff and then say, what does that say about my heart? And ultimately, what does that say about what I believe about God? Because it does. Your stuff says something about you and ultimately says something about your God. I love generous people. They humble me. People even have more wealth than I do but are even more generous. They use their stuff. Their spending reveals their heart. Some of the most generous people, in fact, the most generous people I know in my life are sitting in this room. You people humble me. You people blow me away at your generosity. Just to see how you help people in the community, how you give so many things away. If we look on in that passage in verse 16 in Luke, he says, And he told them this parable, The ground of a certain rich man produces a good crop. He thought to himself, So when the paycheck comes in, you think something to yourself. Some of us is like, Let me just look at this for a minute because it's gone. You know what I'm saying? The bills, they got it. Some, uh, some of us, when the paycheck comes in, you start thinking about the new thing that you need. And maybe you do need some new things. I don't know. I don't know your life, and I'm not here to try to figure that out. That's for God and the Holy Spirit to direct and convict you. He thought to himself, what shall I do? That's a great question. That's a very adult question. What shall I do with my wealth? Then he starts Going downhill, I have no place to store my crops. I have too much stuff. But he didn't say I have too much stuff. I have no place to put my stuff. So he starts thinking, I've got to figure out where to put my stuff instead of figure out how to leverage my stuff for God's glory. Then he said, then he had a bright idea. This sounds like, see, this was written uh, in the early first century, this gospel. But it sounds like it was written in the United States of America, especially the next line. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods. 
And I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. You know one of the things you'll never find in the Bible? Retirement. Now, is retirement bad? No. But if your goal in retirement is to do nothing, then you've missed the kingdom of God. You've missed the purpose of the kingdom of God. You've missed the purpose. Now, I love it when uh, Christians, when they retire from their occupations, but then they leverage all those years of hard work, and they leverage it, and they go on the mission field, and they use all these things to start impacting the community. But see, some, some of us are caught up in the American dream where the goal is retirement, and then I do little to nothing. That's the goal. We've gotten in that trap. I even feel that sometimes. Oh, man, I can't wait till I get a break. It always trips me when I go into the teaching the schools and I'll say a line to them. I said, most of you, your goal is, and I point to the clock, is 3.30. When your foot hit this campus, your only goal was 3.30. Some of us, that happens at work. We walk in at 7.30 or 9 and you're looking for 5 o'clock. You're just like, okay, three, okay, two and a half more hours. And then I get out of here. And then you get home. And then what are you, what are you looking for? Our goals become so distracting. They're not kingdom focused. When God puts you in that workplace and he's giving you a paycheck so you can use that worldly wealth to make friends with people. Even Jesus says that. We'll look at it here in a minute. But not only does spending reveal my heart, but sowing shapes my heart. See, if you're just building bigger barns because you've got plenty coming in, then you're not able to sow and multiply things. Jesus said this in Luke 6.38. He says, give and it will be given to you a good measure. Not sparingly. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you, everybody say use. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. What would Celebration Church or the 300 churches that exist in Wilkes County, what would it look like when it came to generosity if we changed the way that we measure things? See, even in church, you'll hear things like tithe. Do I believe in the tithe? Well, absolutely. That's something I've disciplined in my life since I was a young boy. But I want to go beyond that. But see, we, we want to use small measurements instead of coming to God and saying, Hey, God, what type of measurement have you given in my life? Because I want to multiply that into other people's lives. See, a lot of us are using a thimble when God is saying, Get a bucket. Because the measure that you use is what's going to be poured into your life. And now this isn't prosperity gospel preaching. This is a promise from God. If you're stingy... God will not bless you. Any amens there? Well, if you don't say amen, it doesn't matter. It's what God says. If we're stingy as a church, then we will not be blessed as a church. If the churches in Wills County are not, if we're stingy and we're greedy, then God will not bless us. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reach, reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
Let me tell you what this is talking about. It's saying, with the resources that God has put in your life, if you will sow them into the kingdom of God, you're going to reap generously and have more to sow more into the kingdom of God. But if you reap sparingly, you will, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And then it says a, a line. In verse 7, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Now that sounds like, well, I, I just don't feel like giving. I don't trust the church. Well, I just don't feel like giving, or I'm only going to give this much because of this. That's not what the... Because you have to read Scripture in all, in the context of all of Scripture. Don't cherry pick that verse, because that verse is talking about a heart that is fully in love with Christ. So when you decide in your own heart, it's a heart that's been renewed, regenerated, redeemed. So actually, you're, you're going to give in accordance to what God says. Because it's really simple. If He's Lord, that means He's in charge. If He's Lord of your life, He's Lord of your heart. A preacher joke is the last thing to get saved on a man is his wallet. You ever heard that? It's, it's, we get really, really tense about that. The famous passage on giving is in Malachi chapter 3. Listen to this promise. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which by the way was about 23%. It wasn't 10% because there were, there were several different tithes that they give, but combined it was about 23%. This is the Old Testament principle. The New Testament principle is about generosity and giving abundantly. So it says that there may be food in my house. Test me on this. This is the one place in Scripture where God says, you can test me. Go ahead, test me with generosity. If you'll bless others, I'll bless you. Test me on this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. What happens if you don't have room enough? You don't build more barns, you just get to give more away. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields and will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Now, this is a crazy dream of mine. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I'm trying to get there as quickly as possible. But I've known several great pastors over the years that, that uh, don't do the live off a of 90% and give away 10 It is a goal of mine. I know several pastors that actually reverse tithe. They give away 90% and live off of the 10 instead of live off the 90% and give away the 10. Because here's the thing. I want to constantly check my heart and check my life and say, God, how can I be generous? With small things. Like one of the things I heard somebody do, it was years ago, and it made me a little bit nervous, but I heard somebody would drive through a drive through and pay for the car behind them and give them a gospel track or do something like that. So I remember I was 23 years old, new in ministry, and I pulled up to the drive-thru, and I, God just reminded me of that story. And I only had $11, and I ordered my meal, and it was like five-something. That's when you could go through the drive-thru for five bucks. And I felt God say, you need to, when you drive up, you need to pay for the car behind you. And I'm like, well, that, what, how much are they going to order, God? <laughs> So I started, so <laughs> this has happened several times, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest. 
When I pull up to the drive-thru window and I, say, I feel God say, pay for the car behind you, and a mom in a Suburban pulls in behind me, I start thinking, Lord, there could be nine kids in there. Do you know how big a Suburban is? But then I start thinking, wait, it's not mine. And that's just a small thing. I'm sitting there arguing with God over whether or not to pay for the car behind me. An opportunity to bless somebody. And I don't pay for it and then circle back around and go, I did that. I just drive off. I don't know what happens. And I give them a, 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 one of our invite cards or something like that. I don't know if anybody's ever show, shown up. I don't do it to get them to show up at celebration, but I do want them to hear the gospel. I do want them to realize that they need a Savior, and I also want them to know that there's somebody on planet Earth that, that represents something that is decent and good. And I want to be one of those people that represent that, because often I don't. So Jesus is saying, hey, this is how it's going to be, because he answers this man. He says, in verse 20, he says, But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Do you know that your stuff can kill you? In the life that God has, the more stuff that you have, the more it has you. And God never intended your stuff to have you. I mean, you have to bow down and pay the bill. You have to pay attention to your stuff. It's inanimate objects, and they rule our lives. And God was saying to this man with this barn, he said, this very night, because you've allowed your stuff to direct your life, your life will be taken. Now, I'm not saying that God will strike anybody dead that has a bunch of stuff, but I promise you it's going to be a whole lot harder to live the life God has called you to live with a bunch of stuff. Unless you're using that stuff for his kingdom. He goes on and says this. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. That's a beautiful thing. I hope you got a lot of stuff. But I hope you use that stuff to reach people. I hope you use that stuff to, to bring joy to people's lives. I hope you use that stuff besides getting more stuff. Because that stuff will become old and outdated and end up in a storage locker and then somebody's going to come along and buy it and make a bunch of money because they have a TV show because of your stuff. Storage wars shouldn't exist, should it? But man, it's funny sometimes. Well, another principle from this that we can learn is generosity frees my heart. See, your stuff will suck the life out of your heart. You ever just wish you didn't buy that car? And not because you don't enjoy the car. It's a sweet ride. But every month, you work so hard. You put up with your boss. Or you stayed home while your husband worked and you put up with the kids. And then you have to send that money out to pay for the car. Or, what, or the house. And these things, but generosity frees my heart. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Finances, and using that for God's glory, we need wisdom. And what type of heart does God have? It says, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. 
See, God is generous. He's generous with everything. He's generous with His planet. He's generous with His creation. He's generous with your life. And He's also generous with the wisdom that you need to get through life. Paul wrote to young Timothy as a pastor, a young pastor. He says in 1 Timothy 6.18, Command them to do good and be rich in good deeds. This is what Love Week and Faith Fest is about. We want to do good and we want to be full of good deeds in our community. And to be generous and willing to, everybody say, share. Now here's how you know we're greedy by nature from a very young age. This is one of the first things you got in trouble about, wasn't it? Was greedy. And was one of the first principles your parents told me. You need to share with your brother. No. Have any of you seen those two twin boys drinking that slushy? And the mom says, share with your brother. And he cries and he hands it over. And the other brother goes. And then she says to the other ones, share with your brother. And he's like. <laughs> and he hands it over and starts bawling. And they just keep handing it back and forth. This is sort of how we are with life. We're like, okay, God, I guess I'll share. And then sometimes that when the community needs the church and becomes, sometimes we, we, we see the community as a burden. They're not a burden. They're lost. I mean, why can't we be more generous? The last thing that any church in this county should have to worry about is giving money away to ministries and reaching more people because of financial reasons. That's just my opinion, because think about it. If everybody in this room that calls Celebration Home is in the ministry position God has called you to, not what you decided, but what He's called you to, if you're giving generously, then anything that God asks us to do, we're going to be able to do. Because he's a generous God. And he says to overflowing, test me in this and see if I don't blow the barn doors off. And that's what I want to see. Paul wrote in, to the church in Corinth, he says, We are traveling together, 2 Corinthians 8.20, We are traveling together. Guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. Some people are a little bit hesitant to be generous towards the church or generous towards people because they're worried about what they'll do with it. Well, here's the deal. You can't control what anybody does with what you give away. But I will tell you that the, the, what we do here at Celebration, man, we have checks and balances after check and balances, just a lot of things that protect the integrity of the way we handle finances. But one of the things we want to continue to do is just be more generous and more generous. And we have, we have a goal of uh, getting to a place in our missions where we're giving 50% of what comes in as celebration to people on the mission field and to people we're supporting around the world in ministries that we give to. We would love to get to that place, and we're working towards that. Every single year we're trying to get to that place. Later, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9, Verses 10 and 11, he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest, the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in, everybody say, every way. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. If you are rich on any level, and let me tell you this, just a few years back I was doing a study uh, average college student made about $11,600 a year. Some of you are going, yep, 
I understand this number. Do you know that if you were a college student, this was about six years ago, and you made $11,600 a year, you were in the top 85 percentile of the richest people on planet Earth. Is that humbling or not? We are rich in, the, in a sense of the way the rest of the world is. Now, I know some of us, we're, we're, we're barely getting by. If you'll just trust God in how you spend and what you spend, He'll provide what you need. Some of us, we've got to dig out of the debt that we've got in. We have uh, financial peace and courses that we teach. We have people who are equipped to teach you, to help you snowball and get out of debt. So don't sit. In fact, I would tell you, come talk to Pastor Chris, myself, Patrick Brondos, uh, Bob Ernest, one of those guys, come talk to us before you leave today if you are not seriously attacking the debt in your life because you're in prison. You can't be generous. And we want to help you pay off those bills and figure that out and attack those things. So when God says, pay for the suburban behind you, you've already set it aside and ready for that, that chance to bless somebody. And you don't have to say, well, God, you, you, you know you know what's in the bank? I'm eating off the $1 menu. All the kids are getting a dollar cheeseburger. Quit, quit crying. That's better than the people in another country. You know, we tell our kids that. But he says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And, and through us, generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Nobody has ever regretted being generous. If you were really generous. Now some of us have regretted loaning money to people and somebody and then they've stabbed us in the back. But if we truly just give it away and not look and see where it went and trust God with results, it's something that frees our heart and God blesses that. Because you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And we want to be a people. We, what would it look like if you as someone who calls Celebration Home or maybe you're just checking out celebration, or maybe you're not even a believer. But what if you decided today I'm going to be different and I'm going to start adulting in this area? You sit down with your spouse or you look at your parents and say, you know what, I'm going to pay off my debt. I'm going to sell what's not tied down so we can get out of debt, so we can be free from this. So when God does call us to bless a missionary, when God does ask us to... to Bless and give above and beyond our tithes and our offerings. I'm able to do that. One of the ministries we support is the Wilkes Pregnancy Care Center. I had to go there this past week and do a video for the abstinence classes that we teach in the schools. And I'd heard that they have an opportunity to get a new building because if you've ever been in there, I hope everybody here went down there and visited. But it's wall-to-wall packed. Their ministry is way bigger than their building, and God's opened up the opportunity right across from the post office in North Wilkesboro. They're able to, we're, they're looking to purchase that building. And I was just telling Susan about what I was preaching on this week, and I said, I would love to challenge our people. Now, this has nothing to do with what comes in or goes through celebration, but I want to give you, read you this letter from Susan, and maybe God is challenging you to be generous to a ministry outside, which we already support, the Wilkes Pregnancy Care Center. It says, Dear Celebration Church, first I want to say a big thank you to you 
for your continued support of this ministry, there is no way we can know the extent of what your faithful giving has done for us and the clients we serve. You were awesome. I'll tell you a little side story before I keep reading. I was just in there this past week, and there was a, a woman that came in, and she was 100% going to abort her child. And through several weeks of just counsel, she's now getting ready to have the child, and she's not going to abort this child. Yeah. And pro-life and all those kind of, being a pro-life, all that's awesome, but it's more tangible when you look into the eyes of a child and realize the gravity of this ministry. I mean, I've always been pro-life and just vocal about not murdering our children. But until I was holding one, that barely made it through labor and almost lost him and my wife through the labor process, I know, I'm, I'm just like, this is so real. She goes on to say, second, I want to challenge you to share in the work God is doing here at the Wilkes Pregnancy Care Center by giving you the opportunity to further invest in this kingdom ministry. We have outgrown our current facility and have been seeking God for his provision for nearly three years. Through a long series of events and much prayer yesterday, I received a signed contract. So that was on Tuesday for the, publish, uh, the purchase of a new building, much larger facility. Here are the details. Our, our new facility has 5,807 square feet. It was formerly a doctor's office, so it's set up very well for us. It's located in North Wilkesboro, directly across from the post office. It is empty and waiting to be occupied. Its tax value is $645,020. We are paying $250,000. There is no doubt that God has brought up about this and defines all logic and reasoning. Only our God can make this happen. We have 45 days to raise $250,000 beginning June 4th, 2018. That means we have until July 18th, 2018 to raise this money. Um, there's a golf tournament going on, but when I see these things and this opportunity to save lives, literally bring people into this earth so that they could hear about the Savior and be a thriving force in the kingdom of God, I'm going, this is worth being generous for. But even... Even if it wasn't, that doesn't stop our generosity, but it is. See, a lot of us, we gauge our generosity on whether or not we're, we're all for it. Whether or not we want to pay for the suburban behind us. Or whether or not we think that person's going to do this or that with what we're being generous with. But God says, you know what? Why are you arguing with me? It's all mine anyways. I ask you to be a good steward, and if you'll be a good steward with just a little bit, I'll give you more. And I want to be a, a person in the church who we become great stewards of every single resource that we have. Because that is what Jesus says. Jesus said in, in the parable of the shrewd manager, 
He said in the end, he says, use, hey church, hey people of God, use your worldly wealth to make friends with people who don't know God. And that's just what we want to be. We want to be a generous church. You say, Brian, well, I thought we were a generous church. Well, we are. I want to be more generous. I want to ask God, hey, will you just pour more out so we can pour more out? Would you help us to be bigger stewards and greater stewards of your resources so that we can reach more people and bless more people? I mean, all kinds of crazy thoughts go through my head. Like, for example, when Love Week comes up and just trying to uh, pray and ask God to do something just a little bit different. All the orphanages in the children's homes around here, what if Celebration Church emptied those? What if you said, we're all going to do everything that we can to give or get in the adoption process? I mean, God didn't say make more orphanages. He says take care of the orphans. That means as a church, we have all these programs and all these government things where the church has decided to lay down and quit adulting. And they'll just keep building more. And there's going to be another system for this system. And everything gets lost in the system when the church doesn't step up. In Celebration Church, we're going to be different. We're going to step up and say, you know what, God? We'll listen clearly to every cent, every resource that we have. And we'll ask you, what do you want me to do with this? Because you need to buy groceries. You need to buy clothes. Yes, that's good. If an opportunity opens up and you can purchase a new car, do it. But then what's that car used for? What's your stuff used for? There's a person sitting in this room who had the opportunity to build a pool. And we were hanging out with them and talking with them. They said, oh, by the way, y'all can come over anytime. I didn't ask. I ain't got no pool. But I like it when people do that, invite me over. And, and I'm thinking, wow, that's so generous. That's so weird. If I build a pool, you know, like... I hope I would ask people. Maybe that's why I don't have a pool, because I'm weird about that kind of stuff. Be like, somebody's going to pee in my pool. <laughs> and that's just like, I can't get past that. But I'm sure if I had a pool, my son Cade would pee in it immediately. Uh, I'm sure that. But what's going to happen when we flip the switch and say, you know what, God, I'm going to adult in this area. I'm going to trust you with these things. We'll ask the band to come back out. Our next step today is really simple. You can see it up on the screen. It's this. I will become free and give generously. You have two choices. Either your stuff can own you or you can own your stuff. Sometimes it's going to take some work. Again, we have people. There is no reason for anybody to be buried by debt in this church when we have resources to help you dig out. No, there's no bailout plan. The church isn't sitting on all, uh, enough money to pay off your debt. No, that's not what I'm saying. But we can come together as a, everybody say family. We can come together as a family and we can help get that process so you can become more generous and more free. But unless you're free, you can't be generous. So I just want to pray for, so uh, if you would just... Bow your heads right where you are. Maybe you're sitting here today and maybe the first experience of generosity needs to come with you understanding that God has been so generous to you that he's offered you 
a relationship with Him. He's a God who loves you, but He is a fierce God. He's righteous. And you know right there that you deserve, because God being perfect, you deserve not to have a relationship with Him. And by the way, you can't. You cannot have a relationship with Him because of your sin. You have sinned. You have lied. You have cheated. You've probably had financial indiscrepancies in your life. But 2,000 years ago, let me tell you an amazing thing about a generous God. He sent. He left the throne of heaven and became the Son of God and lived a perfect life and died a perfect death. And He offers you forgiveness of sin if you will confess and repent, which means you change and you turn. And you confess Him as Lord and believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And believe in faith. The Bible says that He will save you. That's the most generous thing that's ever been done in the history of mankind. And because of that, many of us sit here today knowing that to be true, but we've fallen into traps and our lives are not generous. So today, maybe you just confess Jesus is Lord. If you need any help with that, I'm available after the service if you need to talk with somebody. But the Bible says if you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead you will be saved for it is with the mouth that you confess and the heart that you believe if you'll just cry out to him and turn from your sins and tell him about it and ask Jesus to save you he'll do it maybe for the rest of us it's the salvation of our stuff It's been in control of us for so long that it's bound us and we're stuck. We're stuck. Maybe today you just say, God, I want to be unstuck. I want to be free from my stuff. Help me to get on that journey today and take that step. So God, we come with all our issues and all our stuff and we just give it to you because it's yours anyways. And today we declare, Lord, our stuff will be used for your glory because it is your stuff. So Lord, whether it be finances, whether it be houses or cars or all our toys, whether they be children's toys or adult toys, whether they be our, you know, cars and motorcycles, And ATVs, whether they be those kind of toys, Lord, we come just saying, uh, Lord, help us use them for your glory. Lord, we lift up the Wilkes Pregnancy Care Center. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you flood the finances so that they can buy this building so that their ministry can expand and so babies can be saved. So that those babies can become great warriors for the gospel. And be voices that cry out into the darkness and become light in the darkness and salt of the earth. But Lord, we're not going to be standing around and be silent and wait on them. We're going to fight for those things. And we're going to use our resources to be generous to this community, to this church, to our families. Because you've been generous to us. So God, as we just sing out to you and respond accordingly, Lord, we just say thank you. Thank you for being such a generous God. It's in Jesus' name.